You are listening to Awakening Vitality with Dr. Jai. Okay, so here we are. Welcome to Awakening Vitality. My name is Dr. Jai and I have a wonderful guest here by the name of Tom Letter. Very excited to um, share the show with Tom today as the guest. Thank you, Tom. Welcome. Nice to see you. Nice to be yeah, talking to you from the U.S. And I love Melbourne. I've been there many times. <laughs> yeah, it is, um, it is a great place. And I'm very keen to come to Colorado. I've, I've been to the U.S. a couple of times now, and I've still never made it there. But I hear so many great things about it, particularly that the community over there is very progressive. It is. It is. Yeah, we've got Boulder. And I live in Fort Collins, which is uh, north of Boulder, but Boulder is probably the center of it. It's one of, it's a very progressive uh, uh, area and has one of the only actually uh, fully credited uh, Buddhist colleges. Yeah. The well, there you go. So um, I'm just going to introduce you quickly um, to the listeners and the viewers, Tom, just to give a bit of a background before we jump in. Okay. So. Tom Letter, our guest today, is the founder of Selenite Sword Maker, LLC, Selenite Swords, and is dedicated to bringing the knowledge and the ascension tools of the Selenite Swords of Light out to the world. For the past 12 years, Tom has been focused on the creation of multi-dimensional multiverse energy tools. The Selenite Swords of Light, Ascension Rods and Ascension Staffs, the Flower of Life in Crystalline Form, the new crystalline unk, which are used around the world by energy workers, light workers, healers, and acupuncturists. Tom has created a training program titled Lightworker Training and Certification and teaches throughout the USA, Australia, and Japan. Tom has also developed a subtle energy healing practice using the Swords of Light in Fort Collins in Colorado, which is what we were just mentioning, and I presume is where you are right now. So thank yeah. you, Tom. Yeah. Well, it's really great to get to talk with you and share some of the um, information and kind of things I've learned um, over the last 12 years. I've been um, actually this year, if I make it, uh, will be the seventh year that I'll be visiting Australia. Yeah. When I was, um, when I was, researching you a little bit more and reading up a little bit more i did stumble across your dates and i saw that <laughs> there is um a schedule for australia later later in the year so hopefully <laughs> let's hope hey because yeah we're in we're in crazy times and i think um one of the last things i heard from from a friend and colleague was that i'm not sure if this was true but they're they're looking at um blocking international travel in and out of australia until december um this whoa year. yeah whoa. so <laughs> who knows if that's who knows if that's a solid thing or that's a definite but yeah you know uh, it could be if, if that occurs then this year will probably not occur <laughs> mm. but because i usually come in uh first part of october and stay up uh, do workshops through october november and then kind of vacation in december and then come back to the u.s so yeah uh, if uh, there's no travel then that won't be quite possible 
No. So, yeah, I guess we are in interesting times. And we were just talking before about some of my background and how we're connected in some interesting yeah. ways. And um, I was just sharing with Tom about my path and my healing journey and how I came to be involved in healing work as well, uh, similarly to how Tom is. And essentially, when I was studying to be a traditional um, Chinese medicine practitioner and acupuncturist at the Southern School in Melbourne quite a few years back, I stumbled across esoteric acupuncture and became very um, passionate about esoteric acupuncture and really was blown away by the power of this particular modality. And uh, uh, the founder of esoteric acupuncture, Mikio Sankey, uh, was coming down to Australia at the time and teaching his workshops, which I went to and learnt a lot of amazing things about and um, yeah, ended up learning myself to be a esoteric acupuncture uh, practitioner. And then I'm not sure at what point it was that I started hearing about Tom's um, work and Swords of Light, but there was some point I did because of his connection to Alison Clark, who's an esoteric acupuncture practitioner um, here in Australia. And she started to to bring Tom down here, to work down here. And I saw that um, Tom has also been working with the esoteric acupuncture patterns uh, and frequencies, but at the same time, kind of doing your own thing and evolving the work in different ways. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, well, I met Mikio uh, 12 years ago. I heard him talk at a workshop I was attending and I really liked him. So um, I wasn't making the swords at that, that particular moment when I, Actually, it was even longer than uh, 12 years. It's maybe like 13, 14 years ago. Um, and so I liked it so much, I decided to start to fly out to um, California and receive uh, the esoteric acupuncture treatments. And I would do that every quarter. I'd do two, two couple treatments and then fly back to uh, Colorado where I was working full time in a, another profession. Yeah. So that's when, when, how I met him and interesting once I made the swords, I actually remember showing him the first swords uh, was at a workshop that he was talking at in, um, in Denver. And I showed him the swords and he really liked the energy because he can see energy quite well. And uh, he also, he said, you know, you made me swords in, in Japan in a past life. I said, oh, great. <laughs> so uh, awesome. he's, he and I then have, I've gone to most all of his workshops when I'm in, in the U S I go to his workshops and he has me bring in the, the swords and the other energy tools. And I show them to the acupuncturists that come and it's been a, just a great, uh, you know, he, he, he allows me to come into his workshops and I show the, and then they use the swords in some of the treatments or add them to the uh, either after the esoteric, needle treatment and then they use the swords on top of that so i've been to probably i don't know maybe um eight or nine of his workshops here in uh, in colorado so he's, mm. he's quite a uh um I, I just really enjoy him he's been i guess you could say a mentor for me also in terms of uh um and then i made uh small very small wands just out of pure cell night for acupuncturists that wanted to do the treatment without the needles, or in some cases, people are not acupuncturists, but they take his classes anyway. So. 
Cool. So um, this is all really interesting stuff, but I'm also realizing that for perhaps some of the viewers or some of the listeners, um, they might have absolutely no idea about what we're talking about, um, particularly yeah, as, it, as, as it comes to esoteric acupuncture, even yeah. as it comes to the selenite sword. So essentially, esoteric acupuncture is a form of acupuncture that was created by Dr. Mikio Sankey, who we we're just mentioning, who's uh, based out of LA. And it's a synthesis of the traditional acupuncture theories or meridians, uh, along with the chakra system, the Kabbalah, um, ancient esoteric wisdom. And essentially, it's created a form of acupuncture that I would, I would roughly sort of describe as a more advanced form of acupuncture in terms of accessing higher, higher frequencies or higher... Um, higher dimensional energies and and touching into more of that high those higher energies that we can connect with in various ways and it's an amazing um, practice it's an amazing form of treatment and it essentially practically it's much like experiencing a normal acupuncture treatment except that instead of just getting points in acupuncture points, we're working with sacred geometry on the body essentially. So if you were receiving esoteric acupuncture treatment, you would still be receiving acupuncture, but there would be a, a pattern essentially that's being created on your body of certain points being connected in certain ways. And it's really this pattern, it's really this sacred geometric field that is opened up or created on the body that allows these energies to start moving in a much greater way and in Tom's case um, it's not acupuncture needles that are being used because acupuncture needles don't need to be used uh, you can work with essential oils or even touch and in Tom's case it's with these selenite swords that um, the same esoteric acupuncture patterns are being activated so perhaps right. Tom you could you could speak a little bit more about perhaps working with the swords, um, what, what is selenite, what are selenite swords and, and how is this sort of applicable in your case with the esoteric acupuncture and the healing? Um, well, I, I started first uh, making the selenite swords. That was uh, um, how I kind of got started. I, I, got, I got interested in crystals and a friend of mine was um, going to a crystal show in Denver called the, the Denver Gem and Mineral Show. And I asked him to get me uh, some Lemurian crystals. And so he brought me back. Actually, I've got a whole flat of Lemurian crystals. And Lemurian crystals really carry a, this frequency of love, a, a really high frequency. And I could feel them. It was like quite, quite nice. And I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but it, once you get one crystal, then, oh, there might be some other crystals out there. <laughs> so as you can see, there's a lot of crystals right yeah. back here. Um, so of course, I went looking for more crystals and I went to this uh, metaphysical show that had some crystal dealers and I was walking around and I saw a lady working on a guy's leg with a piece of selenite and she was in the middle of the aisle. So I said, hey, what are you doing? She said, I'm repairing an injury on the inside of this guy's leg. And I said, well, how do you know? And she said, well, I can see inside the guy's leg. She had this talent. Uh, I've only met maybe two, two people in my life so far. You could see inside your body. And 
she said, I also can see the light coming out of this piece of selenite going into his leg and repairing that injury. And I said, well, that was pretty cool. And uh, so I got her number. We stayed, I, we stayed in touch for a long time until she changed her cell phone. I've, I haven't found her since then, but uh, she was really good. She could see inside your body. And maybe she could maybe she's ascended now. No, she didn't ascend. She, she, she had trouble with electronics. And, okay, sure. Uh, and so I never, I can't get a hold of her. I lost her a couple of years ago, but I'd really like to get her name was um, 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 Gonzalez, uh, Victoria Gonzalez, and uh, really talented. But she could see that. So that, I, I said, wow, that selenite must be pretty powerful if you can see this light actually coming out of it. So I started looking for some selenite. I found some uh, eventually, um, got the wrong kind at first. The uh, selenite can be very, uh, this, the selenite I make swords out of, as you can see, is, uh, it's very, uh, it's, it looks uh, very compressed. But some selenite's kind of flaky, and it, you couldn't make a, a sword like this out of it. So I, I did find the right kind, and that's selenite that comes from Morocco. And it comes from the Atlas Mountains, which is also considered to have been potentially part of Atlantis. Uh, and uh, as the seas receded, uh, the selenite was formed in these pockets. And then this, somehow the mountain became, the Atlas Mountains ended up on top of it and it compressed it really well. So you, it works about like hard wood. You can actually, uh, you know, you can make, then you can make things out of it. So I made four swords and I was studying with uh, this lady named Sai Ma in Colorado. And she was a spiritual teacher and she always talked about energy. So I said, she's gonna like one of these. I think I'll give her one. So I was at a big workshop she was holding. I, I went up to her room and gave, I said, here, I, got, I made these swords. I wanted you to give you one. She grabbed hold of it. She said, immediately she said, oh, I remember this energy. Mm -hmm. And immediately she said, I need another one. So I, I, I had four, I'd made four swords. So I gave her another one. But the great thing is that at this workshop, there are about 400 people um, up in Vail, Colorado. And she brought the swords down and uh, called in Archangel Michael, about 15 minute uh, kind of activation. And boy, you could really feel it. I was really excited. I just gave it to her in the morning. She's already using it. And so, um, uh, you know, left that workshop. And I saw her a few more, few months after that in Boulder, Colorado. She had a kind of a center there. So, and she called me over and she said, I want to order a hundred of those swords. I said, okay, I got two left. <laughs> wow. No, I didn't say that. You never said it. Oh, I said, you want a hundred swords. Okay. I'm working full time for a software company at that time. And um, so um, I said, okay, I'll figure out how to do this. I had a few months. It was the next workshop. She wanted this, these swords. So I ended up making a hundred swords, took them to the workshop. We sold 85 of them wow. in, in the first, uh, that workshop. And um, it was the hottest thing they had going in their bookstore and people just loved the energy and Saima liked it. She started using it in all of her healing sessions. And um, so every workshop that she would hold, I would go to and bring the swords and show people, show them to, and they would get them. 
she would have them using the swords in her healing process. And then that um, in these workshops, one a little bit later after I gave her the sword, um, she had invited Mickey Osaki to come and talk. So Mickey, Mickey Osaki came and talked and I said, wow, I really like this. And that's when I started to go out to California and get esoteric acupuncture treatments. Mm -hmm. And then eventually I showed him the swords and he really, uh, he really liked the energy. And, uh, and then he would invite me to come to his workshops in Boulder because uh, that's where he primarily now does his advance and his beginning, beginning yeah. workshop is in Boulder, Colorado through um, uh, Wendy Nelson. Well, so, I um, well, I, 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 I don't actually, I don't actually have a sword myself. I'm hoping to get it at some point. Um, but I have handled the swords. In fact, the, one of the last esoteric acupuncture trainings I did with Alison, ah. she had a lot of the swords, and I played around with one of them. And it was really interesting for me, Tom, because I guess when it comes to crystals, I'm one of those people that I'm a little bit on the fence. It's not that I don't uh, believe in the energy that, that crystals can emanate or that they have to offer when it comes to healing and spiritual purposes. It's more just that I haven't ever really found myself uh, collecting lots of crystals and using them in a very conscious way. I think at times I've felt it difficult, perhaps like a lot of people, I've found it difficult to actually notice palpably what effect a crystal is having and it was interesting because when i first played around with your swords i literally could feel and this is something i don't feel with most crystals or other crystals i could literally feel palpably the energy coming from the sword it was almost like a force field or something there was a Maybe. Yeah, I don't know whether I'd describe it as a, a a warmth or a pressure or, but there was definitely um, a palpable, noticeable feeling coming from or radiating from from the sword. And so I guess I'm interested to um, to hear a bit of your perspective on perhaps, you know, is this something that you've noticed a lot of other people who maybe don't pick up on the energies of crystals so clearly notice with the swords or with selenite? Yeah, yeah, pretty much anybody that, well, what, what I usually say, the people that come to my class is that um, I, I will say, I will guarantee you a hundred percent that you will be able to feel the energy of crystals before you leave the program. And about 95% of people will actually be able to see the energy. Mm -hmm. So not only to feel it's palpable, as you said, the swords are palpable. And the way that evolved is um, when, I first, um, when I first started making the swords of light, um, I had decided that but one of the properties of selenite is it magnifies whatever you place on it. Or, uh, so if I add something in into the hand or of the sword, it will, in addition to magnifying me, it's gonna magnify all of those, the alchemy of those energies together. So, um, so what happened when I first started making the swords, I was uh, studying with Saima, they did a lot of, uh, I don't know if you've heard of yagnas. Yagnas are sacred fires where the pundits from India come in, they've been trained since they were little kids. 
and they offer all these um, offerings as they uh, invoke Ganesh and Durga and Kali and wh whoever the maybe the yagnas for. But but you know certain ones are always there. Ganesh is always there first anyway. So uh, so I I thought well you know I'm going to get uh, and when Saima was doing these yagnas I would be in charge of uh, getting the fire together, building the pit for them, helping them. And uh, so then what I started to do was to collect the ashes from the fires. So uh, every yagna they'd have, I'd collect the ashes. And then I would, I would put that into the handle or I would epoxy it into the handle of the swords. So the first swords I made had, because of this property that selenite magnifies whatever you place on it, that's one of its characteristics, I, I started to add some things like yognashes. And then I also, because I was um, felt that Archangel Michael had really um, been directly working with me to do this, because uh, you know, he's always depicted with a large selenite or not a selenite sword, with a large sword of, of light that he uses to dispel the darkness and of course, uh, remove any things that need to re he needs to remove. So um, I put pictures of Archangel Michael into the handle. So that started that off. And uh, as Saima was using the swords, what she would, uh, I had her tell me a number of times, she says, oh, the next time you make the swords, there's going to be some new energies coming in, which I thought, oh, that sounds pretty cool. And I really understood it because I would get either new ideas of what to put into the swords or I uh, eventually then I started to add other crystals to the swords. So they started out with a little bit of Yagnash and a, and a couple pictures of Archangel Michael to now the the way the the swords are made is that the um, the blade of the sword the handle now i i actually adhere or epoxy a um a, a copper tube to the blade and then i fill the entire handle of the sword with uh power crystals mm -hmm. these are all the crystals that um you know, if you say the new age or what they've been, what we've been, they've been studying, psychics have been feeling and saying, okay, these are the properties of each of these crystals. And that would be like Lemurian crystals. It would be Apophyllite, um, Numite, uh, uh, Shungite, all these great crystals that have been discovered. Then what I do is I get the crystals and I crush them into a powder. And then I've, um, and I epoxy, I add an epoxy mixture to that, uh, to that um, mixture of the crushed crystals plus selenite, selenite powder, and I fill that up. But then also in, in the middle is another um, additional energetic uh, component, which is I add sacred waters from over 45 locations around the world. So um that would be like um i just added some new just just was making some uh, new bottles i put these in a one milliliter bottle and then i add that into the the sword pour that uh, epoxy mixture and then i add a a kind of an accent crystal on the handle and this one happens to be uh pyrite and so Beautiful. all 
uh, all the crystal, all the swords have maybe a different one. This one, uh, this is a shamanic sword that has the on the uh, on the um, uh, handle end. This is a jaguar head that's carved by a man I met in uh, Chavin, Peru, who's the curator of um, the uh, one of the curators of the temple, the Chavin Temple in Chavin, Peru, which is classified as the Jaguar, uh, the Jaguar Temple. That was their one ally that they worshipped. And around, all around the pyramid, there were these large, uh, really large carved uh, heads of the Jaguar. Although they had a big earthquake, it knocked them all off. And so then they built a museum and put them in a museum down the street. But that's, uh, mm -hmm. uh, but I have uh, the, one of the curators carves these Jaguar heads for me. And I add those to the swords in addition to some other uh, shamanic type um, uh, ingredients that are, are, are well, well known. So the sacred waters uh, that I mentioned come from all over the world. Mother Mary Spring, you're probably familiar with that. Um, a number, oh, Uluru. Um, I actually found a spring in Uluru myself, and I got water from a spring in Uluru. And other people that travel... Uh, Kings Canyon. I've got uh, sacred waters from all over Australia, Japan, uh, um, Mount Fuji. I found a spring on right at the edge of Mount Fuji and got uh, got the water there. And I've had friends. I haven't gone to Mount Kailash in Tibet, but I've had two people bring me waters from there. And then um, Mount uh, Shasta. I've gotten water from Shasta and all these great um, Lake Titicaca, the Tipon Water Temple. So, you know, water carries all this fantastic energy, uh, or energy, not only information. You know, they, they're basically saying maybe in the future, they'll be using water to store computer information because of its sophisticated capability to store the information. And when you have sacred water, it stores sacred information. So when I add that to the swords, what happens is the alchemy that comes, uh, the blade, the blade of the sword magnifies whatever energies are in, in the handle. So the sacred water, the, the, uh, uh, the crushed crystals, all of that then is magnified through the blade. In addition, you know, our hands, you know, you've, you've, uh, in your studies, you know, that, uh, the Reiki people, they take a Reiki picture of somebody's hand. And it's, you know, there's all kind of light coming out of your hand. But they, these two uh, scientists, uh, Davis and Rawl, did a bunch of research on what comes out of your hand. They actually found there's a sound, an actually a measurable sound that comes out of your hand and uh, light comes out of your hand. And then your hands have both have different magnetic fields. So, you know, positive and negative magnetic field. So what? All those heal that you know that's part of the magnetics or the the use of magnetics is one of the components of a heal a whole healing modality in and of itself. So when we hold the swords, then and I have two swords, then I've got um, the negative and positive are are represented, and then all my my love, light, grace, and gratitude is magnified through the blade interacts with all those crystals and then is broadcast throughout the out this the blade of the sword 
So it pretty it pretty much sounds like these uh these swords have as much light uh, and love that could possibly be crammed into them as humanly that's it, possible. That's, been, that's what I've been trying to do. <laughs> How much light can, can I get more love, light, grace? That's right. So you know the the thing that I always like to say is what can help the world, what can help us is more light, more love, more grace, and more gratitude. You can't go wrong with any one of those components, but all of those can be magnified by the sword. And then uh, something I started to do recently, you may see this design, that's the flower of life. I started uh, maybe a few years ago, two, three years ago, um, laser engraving the flower of life with a laser machine onto the, um, onto the sword. Mm -hmm. And that adds a whole nother component. So this is the first time I've, um, I've added crystals to the outside of the sword also, but uh, now the laser engraving really even takes it to a, even a higher uh, kind of level. Mm -hmm. But I thought I'd, you know, being that you're in Australia, how I ended up coming to Australia, uh, I'll share that story with you. Uh, sure. A lady, lady named Maya, um, uh, she was, um, she attended a workshop in Sedona uh, that Dr. Todd Ovakaitis uh, was conducting, and it was after a cryon workshop. I don't know if you've ever heard of cryon. Cryon is a no. channel. But I did, uh, I did visit Sedona for the first time when I was over there recently. It's a magical it's place. Great. Yeah. And also all those places that you may have visited, they, they're called the vortexes. Mm. I've gotten uh, in, in all the swords is also all the vortex energy from Sedona, from, from uh, Boynton Canyon, from the airport, from every, every one of them that I've visited. Mm. I collect the, the, the rock from the ground, crush it up and add it into the sword. <laughs> so Sedona is represented in the, in the swords. In addition to the crystals, what we've been doing over the last five years is every temple that I go to, I get the material from the temple and I crush it up and add it to the sword. So from the Shaveen Temple, from the El Brujo Pyramids in, in Peru, there's uh, material in here from there, uh, from, um, uh, you know, just all, all across the Japan and um, any temples um, in um, in Peru that I've been to, I've added, uh, I've gotten the material from those locations and then added it to the sword because then that that brings in more um, more, more higher frequencies that can be uh, utilized. So what I found, um, one thing and why, there is one other component I didn't mention. After um, the handles copper, I fill it with the crushed crystals and selenite powder. Uh, because remember, the selenite powder magnifies it. So that magnifies all the crystals in the handle. And then on the outside, I add, um, I add um, pictures. Uh, as I mentioned, I had uh, pictures of Archangel Michael. And what I do is I shrink them down and um, I shrink them down onto a label that you would do for mailing. And I have about probably 15, about 15 labels at least on each sword. And there are over 500 pictures, including all of Mikio, not everyone, but most of Mikio Sankey's esoteric acupuncture patterns 
are printed and then in the on the handle of the sword. Okay. So the, the Wei Qi activation grid, all those great um, uh, patterns that he came up with, uh, and plus a picture of him, a picture of Dual Cole. Actually, there's a number of pictures of Dual Cole, who is the uh, ascended master that kind of uh, worked with Mikio to bring out esoteric acupuncture. So all Mikio's patterns, or a lot of them, are inside. Uh, the handle of each sword, along with pictures of uh, ascended masters, angelic beings, uh, the uh, Lemurian tones, and all these, uh, all, all, every great um, mantras, uh, uh, sacred geometry forms, um, and uh, you name it, it's in there. Unicorns, or uh, <laughs> uh, there's 50 or 60 unicorn pictures in, inside each channel. So there are all that energy. So the, the point I was going to make is one thing I discovered I was, when I was first starting to add things to the sword, I, I uh, was studying, um, you may have, heard, you may have hear, heard of this book called The Keys of Enoch. Mm, yeah. The Keys of Enoch is a very esoteric book that J.J. Hurtock tech, uh, uh, wrote down after he, uh, in his words, had this experience of uh, going to the throne of God and being receiving all this information. So I really like the keys of Enoch, but I wanted to see, well, well is the, are the, the, the energies or the information of the keys of Enoch naturally into, in the sword? So I tested that, it said, no, it wasn't. So the first thing I did was I got the book and I w took the sword and I rubbed it, I, I just, ran the blade across the pages of the book. And then I tested the sword with my pendulum and um, it said the energies of the Keys of Enoch were in there. So that's what I found out is if you really have to add whatever you want to be magnified, it's gotta basically be in there. Then the alchemy of the whole thing can bring in other energies that uh, maybe are not, um, directly um, attributable to the crystals that would be in the sword. That is, you know, alchemy creates the sum of the parts is greater than the whole. And that's where we're at right now is the, the swords are, um, you know, they, they, these things surprise me. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I've been working with them for 12 years and sometimes I put them together and I test, uh, always test them out and um, they just blow me away. <laughs> Oh, I'm making. So, um, I'm just oh, gonna, so, I'm, I'm just gonna go di diverge for a little bit. Um, I'm, okay. cu I'm curious. Um, in line with what we've been talking about, you know, which I guess relates a lot about, you know, how are these swords working? They're helping to shift our energy. They're helping to raise our vibration or raise our frequency. And I guess I'm interested in, in expanding upon that a little bit more in regards to this concept of ascension, this concept of awakening and how that relates to frequency. Because, I mean, the, the work that, that you're doing with these swords, the healing that comes about when people use these, these tools, essentially, there, there are many tools available to us at this point in time in terms of healing, in terms of awakening and ascension they're all kind of tools that tie into this same thing, which is raising our vibration or raising our frequency. And I guess I'm kind of curious to get a to know a little bit more 
about perhaps that journey for you because you mentioned before that you you were or still are perhaps um a software engineer and so i presume that there, there was a point Not anymore yeah that, there was a there was a point in your there was a point in your well, life where things really started to shift or change and i guess i'm curious to know a little bit more about your background because obviously this this wasn't always the case that you were even aware or tuned in to um this right. reality yeah well okay my my background is um I was I wasn't a uh, I didn't write software I was uh, involved in um, sales of uh, business to business really high end software for 25 years uh, basically and before that though what I guess when when I got interested in consciousness was in college and I I um, ended up um, go going to a lecture on transcendental meditation in in um, 60 maybe 8 69 and I started uh, transcendental meditation in in about 1969 and I uh, liked it so much I had such deep experiences with that I became a teacher of transcendental meditation and I ended up teaching for a number number of years and um, but then it, I did that for a while and then I got married and had a couple kids. And so I, I, I went into um, uh, software and I remained in that same industry or, um, you know, selling business to business, very expensive software for 25, 30 years. And then I got into crystals and that kind of pulled me out of there it, 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 to the point where I couldn't do anything else other than make these swords. And um, that was... Um, it was kind of like um, I, I really had no choice. I mean, I had to make these swords. So, mm. uh, and now it's it was a you know in, in terms of I'm retired from that uh, you know that business, but I work harder now <laughs> than when I was working in the in the software industry. Um, I'm definitely probably working harder now, but uh, definitely enjoying it uh, so much more. One thing I wanted to uh, mention how to, you know, you're in Australia and I'm here. And so how I got to go to Australia, I, uh, this lady, Maya, had come to the, this event in Sedona that we, we talked a little bit about. And um, so I was um, doing an activation called the light body activation that I developed with the swords so that people could really feel the power of the swords. And um, Dr. Todd Ovakaitis, who was conducting the workshop, he always would allow me to do the, the activation in the beginning because it kind of sets the energetic tone for the event. So I was up on the stage, or about 150 people at his workshop, and I, was, um, work, I started to work with two swords on the Earth Star Chakra below the feet. And so I'm doing that, and I didn't know this, but um, Maya from Australia, she was from uh, the Sunshine Coast. She was in maybe back in the back of the room, but she said, she later told me, she said the energy came in her feet so strong, went right up, right up her spine and shot out the top of her head. Mm -hmm. And she said she was so blown away that she said, oh my gosh, if this is what this workshop's going to be like, 
I can't take it. I'm, I'm going to go outside for a while. So she got up and left because it was so strong that she couldn't handle it. And, uh, but when she was out there, I had a table. I was selling my swords at his event. Um, Dr. Todd of Kais would allow me to do that. And so she said a sword started to talk to her and said, you got to take me back to Australia. <laughs> so yes, indeed. So she ended up buying a sword. She took it back to Australia. About a month later, she um, emailed me this story. Is He said, I've been working with this sword and this interdimensional uh, Lemurian goddess has been coming in and talking to me and telling me what to do with it. And um, I told my friends about this and they want a sword. <laughs> and so I said, okay, well, let's hook up over the, well, we used uh, Google Hangout, which is like um, Zoom like we're doing right now. So I had, and I had ladies in multiple locations. Uh, there were about 10 of them. So I had a bunch of swords around me and I would pick up a sword and I would hold it. And then I would work on their third eye and, and uh, then they would feel it. They say, Oh no, let me try another one and try another one. So they all picked out individually, picked different swords out through this technique of me, showing it to them, working on their, their field with it. And um, then I did an activation, a light body activation for, the, for the, all of them on the, uh, on the call. And I sent about 10 swords down to Australia. And uh, the next thing, um, I think Maya had called me up and she says, well, hey, what about coming down and bringing some more of those swords down here and teach us how to use them? I said, okay, I'd be happy to do that. How many people can you get together? So she said, well, I know, well, I, I think I can get 50. I said, can you get at least 15 together? She said, yeah. So um, um, I said, okay, but I, is there, do you know anybody else in Australia? Because um, I didn't uh, have a whole bunch of co connections in Australia. So she was a musician, had traveled around. So she knew a bunch of people that kind of promoted things like what I do. So she gave me their names. I called them up, shared them, shared the knowledge of what the swords do. And uh, then we set up the first uh, tour of Australia. And I, I went to Melbourne. I went to Adelaide even that trip uh, for a short presentation. But um, Melbourne and uh, Sunshine Coast, Gold Coast, and uh, Sydney. And so, and then... Um, I actually, I think we went all the way to Perth. Um, I had a contact in Perth and uh, that's how I got started going. Be so what I the point I wanted to make, these tools are non-linear. It doesn't matter whether I'm here, you're there, wherever you are, people can feel that. So I, what we're gonna be doing now because of the coronavirus um, pandemic uh, is we're gonna be doing uh, some of the workshops over Zoom like this and training people how to use them they can select the sword before the workshop for, and uh so we're, we're trying to figure out ways but because these tools work so well long distance uh i think it's gonna it's gonna work out really really well but that's how i got started um you know going to australia was through uh through um, maya and um it it's been a, i really love australia um last year i you know, did two months of workshops and 
spent 16 days at Phrygian Beach, mm. just hanging out. My one of my favorite places to go. Well, this is this is a really interesting thing that you mentioned about the about the swords seemingly working in a in a non-linear fashion. This is really interesting to me because, in one sense, for me, there's this idea that when I'm in the presence of a crystal, uh, particularly selenite, it is that proximity that is something that I feel. It's the energy from the crystal that I'm feeling and that the proximity is a factor in that energy and that healing process. So it, it's really very interesting to me that you mentioned that this can also work in a distant sense or in a nonlinear fashion. It kind of almost is a contradiction in a way, isn't it? it yeah, it really is wild. Um, uh, another story, I, uh, this was about two, two years ago, um, uh, Lisa St. Ambersini and uh, Cameron are my sponsors in the Gold Coast. And I was doing a workshop. They, we had about, I think, 17, 18 people. And one of the ladies, um, she, she um, you know, some swords you, you can see here are big. Some swords are big and some swords are little. Like, this is a really big sword. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. It's got, um, is it almost looks like Mayan or it is, this is Mayan uh, iconography. Yeah. yeah. This is the, uh, this is called the Telus Ramundi, which is from the Shaveen temple. The actual, um, carving is in uh, a museum in, in Lima and was oh. taken from the temple, but this is an exact, uh, exactly. This is, uh, depicting ascension actually is what, this depicts, and I we lasered engraved it onto this sword. But this sword is massive. It's a really big sword. So um, uh, the point was I'm making on that. The uh, so the the distant, uh, the distant oh, influence, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, so the um, the swords really work whether they're um, um, whether they're, you're right there or you're further away. Uh, you can definitely feel the swords. I, I also had that uh, the experience. A friend of mine was in Peru. I was in Japan, and we were. I was skyping him at that time, and um, I said, "How you doing?" He says, "Oh, I feel terrible. I don't know. I got something. I don't know what he had." But I said, oh, "Let me try out these swords, and I'll do the light light body activation on you." And immediately, I started working on the Earth Star chakra below his feet, and he could feel that energy for, in Peru. And this guy didn't feel energy that much at that particular time in his life because I was maybe about, geez, that was maybe eight years ago, nine years ago. Um, and But he could really feel it. So I, I really know uh, because he didn't feel energy that well, if he felt it, it really was getting through. So the swords are quite powerful in terms of being able to transmit uh, oh, the, the point I wanted to make was uh, there was a lady that was in the uh, Gold Coast workshop and she bought a big sword and, you know, big swords are more expensive. And she took it home and she um, she said she had so much energy from the workshop, she couldn't sleep. <laughs> so she she does, uh, she did uh, healing work uh, all over the world, really. She had a real big following. And so she looked in her diary when when she was supposed to treat people that were still up at in the night in Australia. And it happened that England was up. So she called two, she did two treatments on people 
in England and she said she moved stuff that they were having trouble with for years that she had been hadn't quite been able to get um, kind of um, whatever you want to say healed or or corrected the energetic problem or what was what they were having wasn't wasn't uh, she wasn't able to get fixed but she said that in one session with the sword that they they could feel the energy really really well and so she came back to the next the next day to the class and she said uh i was a little concerned you know because i the, the swords are more expensive when they're big and she said but i'll be able to pay for this in about two days or something <laughs> she felt she was going to have no trouble with uh, handling the cost of the investment mm -hmm. for the uh, sword because it works so well uh, long distance so so um it was interesting you mentioned before briefly you touched on the coronavirus and i'm curious to um hear a little bit more perhaps on your perspective of what's going on at the moment because uh, personally my experience has been really interesting is that i i feel like there's two different levels that are kind of operating here this has been my experience and some other people that i know as well that i've spoken to who are um who are conscious or more consciously aligned is that pretty much from the beginning of when this coronavirus situation started, I noticed a shift in my own energy and I noticed a shift in the energy that I was feeling collectively. And the way that I've described it and the way that some other people have, have described it as well is that it's almost as though there's this feeling of the veil kind of thinning a little bit. Um, and what I mean specifically from that is that often we, we experience daily life in what we call this reality. And then some of us have experiences connecting with other realities or other, other dimensions or other sort of levels of reality. And it might be through meditation. It might be through plant medicines. It might be through all kinds of other things, but we sometimes create this separation in our minds between these different levels of reality. You know, this is, this is this reality and that's that reality rather than actually being part of the same whole and being together. You know, for example, just because we might only experience connecting with um, higher dimensional frequencies when we have these separate experiences doesn't mean that they're actually here all the time. And, and I talk about, I guess what I'm saying is talking about the separation between these dimensions or realities, kind of having a bit of a veil, you know, or a curtain that we pull back sometimes to reveal or to see these other layers or other levels. And, and that's been a bit of my experience is that since this situation started, I've felt such a strong energy shift, almost as though it's been easier for me to access or to feel some of these other um, higher dimensional frequencies when I sit down to meditate, you know, intuition and communication with other, other things has been stronger. And um, yeah, I'm curious to, to hear perhaps what your experience has been and what you think might be going on beyond just what the, um, the mainstream media is presenting in terms of what's going on. Well, um, as far as the virus, I think the virus is very real mm. and, uh, um, and I, I guess, you know, it's just like you don't want to claim things that, you know, may or may not be 
provable mm -hmm. uh, in, in some respects. But what my feeling is the the higher our frequency, the the more um, protection we have. Although I don't think I would run up to somebody with coronavirus and say, cough on me. <laughs> it's like, it would be a little bit stupid because I think the, the virus is real and it's, it's going to change a lot of things. But if it, um, you know, if there's always been this concept that some things in society needed to break down in order to rebuild in potentially a better way. Mm -hmm. um, now, I don't know how the rebuild process is going to look because it's, it's, you know, this is, uh, is going to affect um, economies throughout the world, not just one, one economy. It's going to affect all economies. So I, I think we're going to be looking at us, but, but you look at the environment has really said, hey, this has been really cool. Air pollution in, in like, you know, in Colorado, there is the front range has some pollution from cars and things. There isn't any any pollution here now. I've, I mean, I've been hearing certain waterways are all clear because nobody's messing with them. We're giving the we're giving Mother Nature a little break. But as far as um, I, you know, as far as um, working with consciousness is is would be what I would say is the, a ticket to help us um, handle. Um, the change that's going to be coming, mm -hmm. because this is definitely going to create a lot of change uh, throughout the planet. And you know, I and I'm not saying it's going to all be negative. Some things are going to fall away, and some things will then develop out of that. So my, my feeling is that one of the things I've been wanting to do for well, what I've been doing is training light workers. Uh, and um, my feeling is we need we need really more powerful light workers. So we have people doing esoteric acupuncture. We have people doing theta. A lot of in Australia is a lot of theta healers. And what my mission has been is what what I found is when I said that selenite magnifies you know everything it, it touches, it magnifies you. So if I'm a light worker or you know, somebody involved in the heat, I guess you could say healing arts, if you want to use that term, they, my idea is they need to be more powerful. And so everything that I've been developing over the past 12 years has been to help light workers be more powerful in their modality. So, you know, how like an esoteric acupuncturist, uh, the esoteric acupuncturist in Japan would a lot of times do a pattern on their people and then they'd, they would work with them energetically after that or while the needles were still in with the swords. And so, um, you know, so they, they were augmenting and adding something. It was adding something to their work. Or if they're a theta healer or if they're a long distance healer, then the sword allowed them to be even more powerful. And when I test this out, you know, I've been using the, I'm really into pendulums. Actually, I now make a pendulum. I've been making this one as a pyramid, pyramid pendulum that has all those 400 power crystals, selenite powder, and a neodymium gold-plated magnet in it. 
that really creates a field. And this pendulum is not just for yes, no answers or percentages or things like that, but it clears non-beneficial energy. So um, what I have people do in our workshop is after they've been, been through part of the training, I say, okay, ask your sword, how much more powerful are you when you're using the sword than if you would be just putting your hand up or just using your hand like you would normally use it? And the, the percentage is just amazing. It makes people many more times powerful. That is, they can radiate or transmit more light, more love, more grace, more gratitude. Because the, uh, the other thing that we do in the light worker training program is we uh, work on, we start with working on all the chakras, the earth, getting the connection to the earth, which is very important with, uh, with selenite. In fact, Katrina Raphael said, the first thing you better do when work with selenite is work with the earth star chakra. Get connected to the, uh, get connected to the earth because you need that grounding because it's going to take you so high. Uh, she said that selenite had the ability to marry spirit and matter together, which I like that. And that the selenite would be the uh, key crystal to help bring in the age of enlightenment. So I've always liked those comments that she made about about selenite because uh, um, you know I feel that that's true, and I actually met her in I met her in Tucson uh, at the Gem and Mineral Show on the steps of uh, the post office mailing stuff back. Uh, Katrina Raphael and she got two swords. She brought actually bought she bought three swords from me that day. I did an activation for her right on the steps of the. Uh, of the uh, post office. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. You run into people, you know, it's just like, you know, it's just that um, synchronicity is really great. So I guess if we're talking about positive frequency and light frequency coming from these swords and working as light workers to uplift the frequency or the vibration of the planet, you know what 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 do you think is what do you think is going on in terms of the opposite end of that i mean why why is it obviously we need to raise the frequency we need more light workers to be doing this kind of work to benefit and to help humanity and the planet you know on right. the on, on the opposite end what's your what's your view on perspective or perspective on why perhaps the the energies or the frequencies aren't so light you know sometimes in the society that we live in well, I, I think it's uh, the, the, let's say there's a lot of non-beneficial energies in the planet. Yeah. I mean, if you look at hate, all the negative uh, emotions, you know, the, the positive emotions, love, light, uh, gratitude, uh, grace, those, those are the, that's the positive end. But the opposite end is, you know, there's hate, jealousy, uh, fear. There's all these non-beneficial energies, and I think that we, and I think that uh, what this um, pandemic, what this challenge is, is it's exposing what needs to be seen so that it can hopefully be cleared that people see um, the neg the the elements that are causing um, you know this division and things like that you know, like maybe our president, <laughs> things like that. Well, what's causing the 
the negativity, what's causing the separation. And, you know, it's like, um, how can we bring that together? We, we really need to bring that together or we keep going down this, uh, uh, this same path. So I don't know. I think this has been a, um, somehow this has a deeper positive uh, message, even though it's being very, very difficult for a lot of people mm. uh, on the planet. And no, I, to I totally, I totally agree. I, I think that um, we need to be very careful about um, acknowledging the challenges and the hardship that many people are facing because it's not really beneficial to start um, preaching to people about how beneficial this time is and that ultimately when we look back, we're going to see it as a yeah. process of deep healing for the planet when people have lost their jobs, when people are struggling to pay their bills, when people are in deep states of, um, of fear and on a, on a practical root chakra level um, are being hit with some enormous challenges. You know, I think that we need to be careful, but at the same time, I do, I do agree that we need to be careful about that. But at the same time, yeah. I do see that ultimately, I think much like um, when we go through a deep healing process, um, whatever method that might be, we often need to move deep into that darker space for some time um, before we can move into the light, you know, whether we're talking about you know, the seed that grows from the depths of the earth in the darkness before blooming into, you know, a beautiful flower. It is, it is an inevitable and necessary process, isn't it, to, to go into darkness before we can bring about a greater light emergence. Yeah, definitely. This is uh, in the U.S., you know, we were, um, unfortunately, our president was sitting on his hands or something for quite some time before he reacted and that's why we have the worst we're having the worst effects of this and also this is certainly exposing you know all the um, inequalities and the the key issue of not having universal health care yeah. like you have in Australia mm -hmm. we don't have that here so there are people that are going to be extremely hurt by this besides you know all the people that are uh, losing their their life um, in addition so it's it's a real real challenge and i i think it looks like australia has handled it a little bit better than other places and and um i commend that i'm glad to hear that i think we've um, had i think we've handled it pretty well but i think uh we've also been um benefited in a sense geographically that in a sense australia is right. an island i mean i I'm, I'm not sure. I think that some things have been handled well, but at the same time, I'm also wondering if Australia shared land borders with multiple other countries, such as Italy or other parts of Europe does, whether uh, things would be much, much worse. So I'm, you know, I yeah. think there's, there's a few different influences there. The fact that geographically Australia is quite isolated, um, I think it is. makes a big and difference. Yeah. And very protective in addition, which yeah. is is also very good. So I don't know, as far as um, what I've uh, in my workshops, or at least things I've been trying to promote, is that um, we need to handle the non-beneficial 
we need to learn how to handle non-beneficial energies. That is whether, um, you know, before this, somebody, if you, you may go into, uh, you go to a certain place and you don't, it doesn't feel good. Well, there's probably a reason why it doesn't feel good to you because there's some kind of non-beneficial energy. So there's beneficial energies and non-beneficial energies. And um, what I've tried to do is help people, empower people on how to remove the non-beneficial energies from your life. And what, what a non-beneficial is, anytime you feel it's not right, it's not right, then you should deal with that particular energy. So I've been teaching a, a technique with these pendulums that allows people to transmute non-beneficial energies with the assistance of um, what a group call I call, call the, that exists if you check on it, uh, the heavenly heroes that are designed to help you clear non-beneficial energies, entities, and the distortions from your field. And there can be distortions and non-beneficial energies you know, connected to your, to your business, to your website. You know, a, a number of years ago, I checked my, my website. I needed to clear some things from that. Mm -hmm. So, um, um, yeah, so my idea is that we can become empowered to deal with the non-beneficial energies. And I've always felt that, um, you know, the, the, that, it doesn't take everybody in the world doing something to have an effect. Fact is, you know, I don't know if you, there was a lot of studies done on something called the Maharishi effect, which was Maharishi predicted if you had 1% of the people meditating in a particular geographic area, the crime rate would go down, things like that. Mm -hmm. And they did, they did a lot of studies on that and it actually, um, you know, statistically based on all the scientific ways you evaluate things, that it was statistically um, significant that that did occur. That uh, so you don't need the everybody in the world doing something, but the more people we can get doing some type of energy work, in my my feeling, it would be beneficial. So the idea is, can we benefit the whole planet? And, um, and you know, my, my take on that is, if we can, if we can um, project more light, more love, more grace into the planet, that's a good thing. Mm, so, totally. And I think it, it ultimately comes back to this. Um, one of the things that I learned initially with esoteric acupuncture was this, this balance between love and fear. And it, it all comes back to love and fear, doesn't it? These two fundamental um, polarizing emotions or energies that yeah. essentially yeah. every every negative energy or negative emotion, the root of that is fear, whether it's anger or it's frustration, it all comes back to right. the root being fear. And then love being the ultimate um, foundational or fundamental emotion on the positive spectrum. So it's like love and fear they are these yin and yang root fundamental energies. And I think that we can really see that being played out right now in this current coronavirus situation. And we can see it being played out um, in the sense as we move into the future on this planet in terms of um, becoming more awakened and, and healing more and becoming more aware is that it, it really, if we strip it back, it comes back to this, um, this balance being played out. And, 
you know, whether it's with the Swords of Light or other tools, you know, if they're enabling us to to anchor in or move more into that frequency of love, you know, it's ultimately what we need to do, isn't it? I totally agree. And, you know, when you really look at what, um, you know, we're made of energy and we're made of fields of energy, you know, the each of the chakras, each organ has its own own field. And uh, the great thing about the swords is they can really work with the, the they work with the field quite effectively. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's like, yeah, we're, we're a physical, you know, we can see our external, but, you know, we're really made up of multiple fields functioning uh, together. And um, with the ability to affect those with um, energy, with the swords, um, I'm, that's why I've been real excited about what their what their possibilities are. Um, and I, you know, I've had people have had all types of different uh, healing experiences using the swords. They've been they connect in uh, like with the shaman sword. I've had uh, people pick the uh, you know the same sword up, have the same experience like this sword, the sword uh, um, that they picked up that had the same jaguar head, connected uh, some of the, some ladies, connected them to uh, a group of jaguar women shaman that were working to help the, the, the work on the planet. And so, um, you know, so any, anytime we can connect into those deeper levels, they're there. And, um, you know whether this is the you know, the most this is a very difficult time, but um, that energy, that subtle energy, is still the basis of everything. Mm. The, you know we we are energy, and if we can, um, you know, one of the key things with um, that I feel is we have to activate the chakras to a higher level, to a higher so. You you probably are aware Barbara Brennan talked about the chakras being like um, like vortexes coming out, mm. kind of um, or a combination of vortexes. Um, I had the experience um, a number of years ago with, of experiencing the chakras actually as geometric um, start like star tetrahedrons outside of the physical body, but connected by a tube into the Shashumna Nadi. And of course, you have front and the back, so that basically we we were these geometric uh, that the chakras, the higher level functioning of the chakras are geometric, and not only are they geometric, but after um, treating a number of very psychic people in Australia, um, what they were able to experience was as you worked on different parts of their bodies, like their liver, their ovaries, they would become geometries also. That the vibrating geometric structures uh, is pretty much what we're made up of. And so that's, the, that's what the swords have the ability to help not only to um, transmute. I've had people that are really good, uh, can really see energy very, very subtly, have actually seen the swords transmute negative karma mm. from chakras Amazing. and things like that. So that um, the idea is 
um, whatever we can do to help um, improve our light quote, you could call it your light quotient. If we're carrying around, you know, 80% of light, but can we carry more light? You know, Serapis Bay was, that was one of his things. He, he's the ascended master that deals with ascension. And you know, what, what was his description of ascension is holding more and more and more light. And because uh, what the swords uh, do, they actually radiate light. They radiate a real high frequency energy. And uh, they, they're connect. The other great thing about selenite, why I like working with it so much, is it's really connected to the angelic realm. It's connected to the fifth dimension and above. It's not connected to, say, the earthly, um, you know, the third, fourth dimension. It's connected to that level of pure love, pure light, pure grace. And that's where it's, that's why selenite doesn't collect any negativity if you work on people with it. It actually just transmutes it into the light. So that's been, um, you know, something that that I've enjoyed as I've been building um, these various uh, tools. And as you mentioned, you, you know, when we talk about sacred geometry, another thing I've been making is uh, uh, this is um, um, flower life. Mm. But this, this flower life is made of uh, over four, the 400 power crystals mixed with selenite and then throughout the entire structure is a two paired um, twisted copper wire so it it um, has a whole different not only does the looking at the form itself have a a particular effect but the energy coming off of it because of the crystalline structure is a an, a whole whole additional uh, component to it. So. That's amazing. So um, we will need to start wrapping things up. I'm not sure if okay. um, our meeting's going to cut out because um, it is getting a couple of minutes until the meeting is ending um, for this recording. But okay. it has been um, an absolute pleasure chatting with you. And thanks so much for sharing this. Now, for the viewers and the listeners, um, if they're called to um, to work with the swords or to get in touch with you in some way your website is again www.selenitesswords uh, all one word with yep. an s.com yep. or if you type in tom letter i come up it'll take you there sure. also so i'll share that i'll share that information um along with your bio down in the uh description so people will be able right. to click on that and um, and get that information and, as well. And but, then Allison, Allison Clark, um, who teaches the esoteric acupuncture in Australia, she also always has um, my swords are available through her. And she also does treatments and um, she works with the swords a lot. Excellent. So shout out to Alison Clark in Melbourne as well. She's yeah, a local yeah. a local connection for people to um, access the swords and access uh, working with these yeah. energies and receiving treatments um, as well. So, yeah, wonderful. Okay, Tom, yeah. well, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for giving your time and sharing your time with us today. Yeah, thanks a lot. And um, I, um, I hope the, I hope 
that Australia does open up before <laughs> December. I hope so too. Yeah, I hope so too. I've already got. I've Paris. already got a deposit on my on uh, Phrygian Beach um, condo. <laughs> that uh, uh, I'm yeah. hoping to be able to utilize. Awesome. In addition to going around and uh, teaching, uh, doing the workshops, but. Uh, I just love Phrygian Beach. I don't know if you've ever been up there or not. But no, I haven't. But um, yeah. th thank you, Tom. And um, thank you. yeah, speak later. Bye. All right. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to Awakening Vitality with Dr. Jai. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and get notified of upcoming episodes. Until next time. Stay well, stay happy.